welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Fully Vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Allison Gill. She's the host of Muller, She Wrote, and Daily Beans. Oh, my God, I'm so excited to talk to her. In addition to being a veteran Ph.D. and a former federal government executive, she's a comedian, author, and staunch advocate for the resistance. I cannot wait to talk to her, but before I do, I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going. If you enjoy today's conversation, take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see most of the time I talk to political people, but occasionally I interview actors because I used to be one. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up With Me, a show for patrons only after each free show. Check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that allows you to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber, it's free, and while you're there, please rate the show and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. Now please enjoy my conversation with Allison Gill. Welcome to the show, Allison. Hello, Kimberly. How are you? I'm good. And I mean, I'm extra good because you're here and I've been a fan forever. So thank you for coming on the show. I have so many questions for you, as you can probably <laughs> guess. <laughs> um, so let's just jump in. Uh, before we get into the Tom Barrack stuff, and, and pardon me if I call him Barack because I just have been doing that. So Tom Barrack, Tom Barrack. Anyway, before we get into that stuff, which I can't wait, why don't you fill everybody in, especially people who are not aware of who you are and what you do, fill us in on your background. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, first the earth cooled, then the dinosaurs came. No, uh, I, <laughs> I was in the Navy in the 90s. I got out and I worked in the restaurant industry for a while. Then I went to work for the federal government. Uh, I was there for about 12 years. Um, I I took the executive oath of office the same day Obama did. Wow. He sort of inspired me to work for the federal government. Yeah. And uh, worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs, helping veterans. And then I ended my career there uh, working embedded with the Department of Defense, helping active duty service members and their families and veterans get access, timely access <clears throat> to quality health care. Yeah. And then uh, sometime around 2019, uh, I, well, I, I started the podcast Muller, she wrote in 2017. And uh, sometime in 2019, my podcast was investigated. Wow. And I, I was removed using the old Mick Mulvaney trick where they moved my job across the country to force me to quit. So did you quit? Yeah, I quit. Wow. That's just crazy. And so um, with Mueller, she wrote, what was your goal? I mean, I did. There's a political article uh, written by Nat Natasha, Natasha Bertrand. Is that how you say her name? Um, mm -hmm. She covered pretty much all of this. But I just wanted to know, like, what was your <clears throat> reason for starting Mueller, she wrote? Obviously a very popular, popular podcast. <laughs> Well, in, uh, you know, 20, Mueller was appointed in May of 2017, and around October, MSNBC started re-airing an old Watergate uh, documentary mm -hmm. that they made in 2013 called All the President's Men Revisited, and I think they were doing that because of the parallels with the Mueller investigation, mm -hmm. and it had all the talking heads, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell and Rachel Maddow, 
and uh, all those folks. And I was watching it and I thought to myself, you know, I bet in 20, 30 years, they're going to be doing documentaries on the Mueller investigation. I was like, I would, you know, I want, somehow I want to be part of that. Like I, I, the historical significance of the investigation, the Trump Russia investigation was not lost on me. And so I was like, well, I'm not a journalist, I'm a comedian. And so how do, how do I do that? And so I was like, I know I'll start a podcast. And about a week later, the first indictments dropped on Manafort and Gates. So I grabbed a microphone and sat down at my kitchen table with two of my friends and we started. That's so cool. Um, and then, and then now you have the daily beans too. And what's that one? What's the difference? Well, while we were doing Mueller, she wrote, there was so much news coming out about it that <clears throat> I started to record these little daily sort of updates that were just for our patrons, like mm -hmm. from Patreon. And that morphed into a daily news show. And so once the Mueller investigation was over, we Mueller, she wrote, was on the air for maybe a year after that. Mm -hmm. And then we just sort of transitioned to daily news and, yeah. and went from there. Interesting. Wow. All right. Well, then um, that's that's pretty cool. And I admire what you did, especially after losing your job. That must have been upsetting. And, uh, you know, it's just one more upsetting thing that happened in the Trump administration. So <laughs> uh, yeah. let's jump into the Tom Barrick indictment. So, OK, he was he was a unregistered foreign agent, a cons uh, conspiracy, obstruction of justice and false statements. He's been indicted for those four things. Um, and then we're also hearing today that part of his job was to stop a Camp David meeting. And I'm going to might say this wrong. Cutter, Qatar, whatever. I don't know. How, how do you say it? Do you know how to say it? I say Cutter. Cutter. But yeah. I've uh, heard it both ways. Me too. So I, I don't know. So I'll just go with Cutter. Um, over the blockade, the blockade was orchestrated by Kushner. So it seems that Kushner might be in some trouble. So uh, what do you have to say about all of that? <laughs> well, first of all, <clears throat> um, Barrack's been on league draft team as the quarterback for quite a while yeah um i had thought back i think i tweeted back in 2019 july of 2019 that you know he he was working on behalf of united arab emirates mm -hmm. uh and and trying to sort of refurbish the image of mbs and mbz and these young leaders mm -hmm. in in the middle eastern countries because they wanted to sort of work with Bud McFarlane and KT McFarlane. KT McFarlane was a number two to Flynn and Flynn and a guy named Copson and Eric Prince so that they could build, give nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia, build reactors there to quote, recolonize the Middle East and then hire a bunch of Eric Prince guys to and give us a reason to have a, a private military presence in the region. Wait, wait, you, uh, put, you dropped out when you said hire Eric Prince. Eric Prince was hard to... <clears throat> put Eric Prince in charge of those. Yeah, because, you know, Eric Prince had all these, uh, had access to all these mercenary sort okay. of private military security guys. Okay. And that was called the Middle East Marshall Plan. And so, you know, we've been covering uh, Barrick for so long. And I, what I found the most interesting about this entire indictment was that they didn't actually get him under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. They got him under a more obscure mm -hmm. registration requirement statute because the difference here is that, you know, for regular FARA violations, um, like uh, Gregory Craig, for example, uh, or Flynn, um, they, they were just sort of broadly uh, working on behalf of foreign countries without registering the Department of Justice. But, but Barrick was actually being 
told what to do by high up government officials at the UAE, which makes him a spy, mm -hmm. honestly. Wow. Yeah. And and I think that that's very significant, especially for some of the more peripheral figures, like you said, like Kushner and and, uh, and Eric Prince and whatnot. So I guess this is going to be trouble then for Kushner. <laughs> it looks like it. I hope so. I hope so. And I think the most important thing to me was that I don't know if a lot of folks will remember this, but at the end of volume two of the Mueller report, there were a couple of appendices and then there was appendix D, which contained 14 redacted cases that Mueller handed off to other offices. Oh, and okay. the New York Times has reported that this was one of them. Something wow. that Mueller found led to this indictment. So this all comes from <laughs> Mueller's Mueller office. And I know everybody was disappointed. Yeah. Not everybody, but a lot of people were disappointed with how Mueller did this. And he wasn't you know, uh, you know, ferocious enough or yeah. loud enough, uh, but he was very careful. And I don't think without his careful work, mm -hmm. I don't think we would have this indictment. Interesting. And then, so is there anything, this is not about the inauguration, but Stephanie Wolkoff, who was uh, Melania's former best friend, she tweeted today that Ivanka introduced her to Barrick through an email. So do you think that, th that there's going to be any tie-in with the inauguration since Barrick was the one who headed it? Well, that's what's going to be interesting, right? Because we know that the D.C. Attorney General is looking into the inaugural. New York uh, Attorney General is looking into the inaugural for civil mm -hmm. reasons. But we haven't heard any outfront reporting on any inaugural criminal investigation. Mm -hmm. But there are huge redact redactions in this 46-page indictment. And I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if that has something to do with it. And then also, I think Barrick might be the most likely to to cooperate although i you know i will say he was the target in this investigation they weren't just going after him to flip him on somebody else oh, okay. he was the bad you know he was the bad guy but he's going to be i think very willing he's an actual billionaire unlike donald trump <laughs> so i think he's going to be very willing to to see what he can give prosecutors um perhaps in the eastern district where his indictment is maybe in in the southern district or the dc u.s attorney's office to to cooperate or you know give some proffer on some other people to help lessen his potential sentence well that's what they were saying about weisselberg and weisselberg absolutely is at least at this point doesn't look like he's flipping so what would outside of not having to do jail time um would there be any other motivation for him to flip or would that be the sole motivation do you think well, that would be the sole motivation. And Weisselberg, really, since 1973, when he joined the Trump Organization under Fred, Don's, Donald's dad, mm -hmm. as, as a consigliere to a mobbed-up criminal organization like that, you, you're you sort of born to go to prison. Wow. It's just yeah. a matter of time, right? So so that's why I think Weisselberg is less likely to cooperate. Barrick was not he's not that guy mm -hmm. and i think he could know as much or if not more now well, probably not more about the financials than, right. than weisselberg does he's been associated with the trumps for four decades yeah i mean i saw there was the clip last night that he was saying how uh he had been friends with trump for so long and who knew trump actually had friends <laughs> um, right but, uh, yeah so and they're it, not really be interesting friends, to but... see what happens and even if he doesn't cooperate and he goes down i mean that's a that's a brilliant win for for justice yeah. 
So then, okay, I would imagine, and I believe that you would think that this is just like a tip of the iceberg situation. How do you feel as far as, okay, for instance, uh, yesterday it was reported that the AP offered a correction to their story about Garland, who uh, it, it was really Trump's AG who declined to prosecute Wilbert Ross. It was originally reported that Garland was. So there are a lot of people out there who do not feel Garland is up to this position. And you know, there's going to, there's, there's obviously going to be more indictments with the Trump criminals. So what do you, how do you feel about Merrick Garland and what he's doing? Uh, it's, it's half and half, right? Like, like we, you and I talked about this on mm -hmm. Twitter a lot, like, Hey, look, you know, cause we, we had like our, our Biden dream cabinet yes. picks, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be great if Adam Schiff for yeah. or Kamala were the attorney general, it wouldn't be great, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, we faced reality, which was, he's probably going to pick a bunch of just really super qualified people that aren't political mm -hmm. lightning rods. And, and so that's sort of, we have to sort of take kind of the good with the bad. Now there are uh, uh, several things that Merrick Garland has done that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. For example, representing, uh, the office of the presidency, AKA Donald Trump in the E. Jean Carroll case yes. or the Lafayette thing, or only releasing half of that March, 2019 bill Barr memo, mm -hmm. March 20, yeah, March, 2019, justifying, uh, his decision not to prosecute for obstruction of justice. I disagree with those things, mm -hmm. but he's also done a lot of amazing things. He, he, he allowed the execution of the warrant on Rudy Giuliani in mm -hmm. the Southern district of New York, for example. Um, this, the the barrack arrest there's there's been a ton uh, of stuff that has come out that i've been like all right so he's letting some mm -hmm. people be held accountable i think it's too early to judge and for me the number one fulcrum the number one litmus test is whether or not he's going to prosecute donald trump for obstruction of justice yeah that's the thing and i one of my questions was what are the odds uh that trump is going to be indicted for crimes other than tax fraud do you like how do you feel confident because i do not feel confident about that I feel pretty confident because if you remember when Mueller testified, the, the only real fireworks that happened during that testimony were, were when it was July of 2019, when Ken Buck asked, so are you mm -hmm. saying that the president can be prosecuted for obstruction of justice after he leaves office? And without hesitation, he said, yes. Yeah. And he asked him again and he said, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, if super conservative Mueller, who who gave up a lot of investigative stuff, like he didn't follow the money and he didn't do the counterintelligence stuff. He handed off a bunch of stuff. He walked that fine line so he wouldn't get fired. And he did that so he could get all of this obstruction of justice evidence down while it was fresh in people's minds mm -hmm. and put it in volume two. I think that even if, if, if conservative Mueller thinks that Trump should be prosecuted for obstruction of justice after he leaves office, I, I it, it would blow my mind that Merrick Garland wouldn't agree with that. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, Chris Hayes was talking the other night on the subject about you know, <clears throat> the new administration not going, uh, you know, looking to indict former administrations because then it just becomes a partisan nightmare. And there are countries that do that and America doesn't want to be one. And I totally get that. But I think we're at the point now hmm. because we've got this fascist GOP that even if if the Democrats were to do everything by the book if the GOP were to get to get power again they would they would absolutely indict everybody and they would they would you know drum up false charges and all that stuff um so I feel that it should happen it's tough from and I I think you make a great point 
I think for me, it's like that that scared. Every once in a while, um, I have Terry Canefield on. She's a lawyer, and she love her. Yeah, she always likes to point out because I said something about you know white wealthy men not having to pay for their crimes, and she says that well, that's not necessarily true. And she's right. There are white men that uh, white wealthy men that have to pay for their crimes, but there are also a lot of men who get away with it. Like for instance, and I talk about I've talked about this on my show. I wrote an article, I think it was back in 2019, but it was about how white men can rape women and children and not face any jail time. And there was this one particular story of a really wealthy white man who raped a baby. And the judge said because he was wealthy, he wouldn't do so well in jail. So he got no Mm. jail time. (laughs) And, you know, there was another one where it was a younger white guy who wasn't wealthy, but he was a young white guy, probably in a red state, who raped like a toddler. And it was on video. And he got no jail time. So I think the, you know, there is this distrust and fear in me, and I, I am speaking for others too, that we're going to see people like Donald Trump, you know, it, maybe that if he does get indicted, it would be for like the tax fraud only. But I'm hoping that you're right, because yes, conservative Mueller did say that. And perhaps it is a little too early to judge Garland. So I guess we just have to kind of wait and see. But it's well, it's so important, Kimberly. It's so important that they do. Yes, um, I agree. <laughs> because they're first of all, Merrick Garland is bound by the prosecutor's code, and he knows that. And if he does not prosecute, I mean, th- that would be considered. I think he would consider, and I know Mueller would consider it a dereliction of their duty. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, and and it also sends the message that hey, you can obstruct justice, and uh, you'll and we don't do anything about that because yeah. we just want to move forward. Um, but I, I think also we have to kind of get a, we as Americans have this view of the justice system as all one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But we've got a couple of, we're talking about a couple of different things here. Federal prosecution of white collar crime is very different mm-hmm. from city and state prosecutions of, of the kinds of uh, crimes that statutes that you're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, re- with regards to rape and robbery and right. murder and stuff like that. Uh, and you know, when I when I had Andy McCabe on the show, he said that you know a, a lot of times there are resources for investigating and going after what these white collar criminals like Manafort, like Barrick, uh, w- were taken away from them post 9/11. Everything went into counterterrorism, and they just didn't have the resources to look into it. Wow. And that's sort of okay, that's yeah. what we need to bolster. Interesting. So, what do you think the chances are? First of all, let's go with the Trump kids, and then like people like Manafort and Bannon, um, and Roger Stone, what are the chances do you think moving forward that they're going to get indicted on anything? Well, Manafort, probably not because he had more of a broad pardon. Mm -hmm. Stone, Stone's pardon was pretty narrow and he could be in trouble with what's going on in central Florida right now with the whole Matt Gates and Joel Greenberg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we also have to think about whether or not Merrick Garland is going to, this is the other litmus test, by the way, besides obstruction of justice is if he's going to look at the, at the funders and insiders of, of the, insurrection yes. on January 6th because that and he, he strikes me as the kind of fellow that would do that because he's he's so anti-terrorism yeah. and he's talked about it and he's but we haven't heard a peep about it but we didn't hear a peep about Barrick either so right there you go yeah it's true so and so what about <laughs> like what about Don Jr. and Ivanka what do you think the chances are that they're going to go to prison I know that's jumping ahead, but I just want to know. (laughs) Well, I think there's a pretty good chance that they'll be indicted in New York Uh for 
for the for the money stuff for the tax stuff and and whether or not the feds open a tax investigation right uh i'm also looking to see sort of what's going on with that and i you know i know recently colfage was indicted on on tax evasion because he was being investigated locally and the irs picked up the case so they're doing it the doj is going after federal tax crimes um and you know, when I, I talked to Mary Trump and she seems to think that her cousins are going to yeah. flip and throw her dad, throw their dad under the bus, honestly. Yeah, I saw that she said Ivanka for sure uh, would flip. That would be fascinating. Uh, what do you and, and then what do you think would happen, let's say, with the base? Right. So the base loves Trump so much and his daughter flips on him. How does that work with the base? Oh, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, they are. Donald is their leader yeah. of the cult. And anyone who goes against the leader is excommunicated from the cult. Right. So I, <laughs> I imagine she would be painted as a deep state operative yeah. Democrat <laughs> shill witch. Um, but, you know, with, with Walkoff's tweets about Ivanka introducing mm -hmm. uh, Barrick to her, Barrick could have a ton of stuff on Ivanka. There could be several instances and, and a lot of different pressure from a couple of different sides, not just the New York, not just Cy Vance, the district attorney's office, or Tish James, New York attorney general, but all federal folks. Because if you remember, I, I know you remember when Rick Gates was being sentenced, um, he was being, they, the judge was gushing about his substantial help that he gave to the government, not only in the matter with Flynn or Manafort, excuse me, but, and they said, quote, in several other ma ongoing oh, matters. Wow. And yeah. I, Barrick has to be one of those several ongoing matters because they, they ran the inaugural together. Um, yeah. So, and if Ivanka's tied up into that, which we know she is, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, she, she lied during deposition to the DC, I think it was the DC Attorney General about their civil investigation into the inaugural. She's going to have a pressure not just from, from local and state. Um, prosecutors, but I think federal too. And I don't, it's going to be interesting to see how all these connect and how they all sort of the Southern District of New York and DC uh, US attorney coordinate with the New York Attorney General and Cy Vance. Jeez, wow. Okay, I want to focus on the time frame, but we need to take a quick break and we will be back after this message. If you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, Ooh, I wish my under-eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now. Introducing the new GenuCell Serum with Plant Stem Cell Technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and they haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and get 50% off all GenuCell packages for summer. Go to lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. That's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. Okay, we're back. So what do you think the time frame is, uh, you know, as... as I don't know. I, I know I'm asking you to guess, but now we've got, you know, I'm thinking in terms of the elections, right? So there's 2022, 2024. What do you think is going to happen with all of this? 
with the indictments, everything, you know, Trump, criminals, all of it, before, let's just say, 2024. And my question here is, like, it's two prongs. So the first part is, like, do you think a lot of this is going to come out before 2024? Maybe even, obviously, some stuff is coming out now. Um, and, and then how do you think that will impact the cult in that do you think that it will turn them off or it will make them feel like it's the deep state <laughs> probably the latter yeah. um but with regards to timelines i mean if we look at just look at the barrack indictment uh and the colfage indictment those took a couple of years mm-hmm. um if and and the barrack indictment took just a couple of years from when he obstructed justice when he you know lied under you know 1001 violations lying to prosecutors about you know oh that UA didn't tell me to do anything and I didn't ask for an ambassadorship mm-hmm. you're crazy you know <laughs> um <laughs> so that's a two-year time frame so yeah. if most of these crimes took place in 2018 2019 2020 right. I think any day now um wow. but also <laughs> but also we have to think about if the if the feds haven't even picked up any of the tax or business fraud cases yet we could be looking at 2023 gotcha, yeah. and then um with rudy uh we have a really good example right cohen was raided in april of 2018 mm-hmm. and he was he pled guilty in august of 2018 and the same special master that went through of all, all the seized materials from cohen looking for privileged information attorney client privilege barbara jones is the same special master going through all Rudy's stuff. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, former judge Barbara Jones. So, and awesome. Ru- and so, <laughs> I mean, Cohen rated in April, Rudy rated in April. Uh, wow. And uh, pleaded, uh, pled is- guilty in, in August. In so August, yeah. I think we could have some charges August, unless he doesn't want to cooperate, then maybe, you know, right. end of early, early winter. Do you think that there was any that there would be any chance that Rudy Giuliani would flip on Trump? He might. I mean, Trump's totally thrown him under the bus and abandoned him. Yeah. Um, we just got that reporting that they lied to him during debate prep about the times they were meeting because <laughs> they didn't want him in the room. <laughs> I mean, he's sort of a laughing stock now, yeah. not just for us, but for for Trump world, too. Wow. That's so interesting. Well, OK, now I'm going to switch gears because it was just announced right before we uh, started this podcast. Oh, oh I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt you, but we also have to remember that Rudy's being investigated in the Southern District of New York for his ties to Ukraine for the exact same stuff that Barrick was just indicted. Oh, for. Oh, interesting. Wow. This is it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I have to say, you know, I speak again for many who we were all so freaking traumatized by these last five years. And I guess that's part of my skepticism, where I feel like we're not going to see justice because, it, you know, we were just being hit and hit and hit. But I got to say, you're getting me all excited. <laughs> so- <laughs> well, I mean, that I felt early on in 2017, 2018, like we're going to see all these indictments. And we did. And yeah. then they were pardoned. But the but the main group, right, the Trumps, the kids, Rudy, you know, uh, we didn't Don Jr., we didn't see anything right yeah. uh, and in fact they were let off the hook for quite a few mm-hmm. things and that was really disheartening that was um, yeah so, you know we'll see what happens yeah and then talk about disheartening this whole january 6th thing so uh, like what i was just going to say is right before we started this gop leader decided that he's going to pull all of the republican members uh from the january 6th committee because of pelosi saying that jim banks and jim jordan can't be on that committee now you know of course we're the 
obvious looks like he just wants to make this looks like a partisan committee. Where do you think this is going to take us? Yeah, no, I saw that coming too. When 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 she announced the five, mm-hmm. um, I was like, she can't let Jim Jordan be on there. Right. But then I was like, but I was personally surprised that McCarthy even appointed anyone to that committee mm-hmm. because that sort of gave it Republican legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Like he recognized it as an actual thing and put some people on it, I, you know. Yeah. And my worry was if she, I wanted her to get rid of him, but I was like, but if she does, he could just, you know, take his toys and go home. Mm-hmm and make this a total democratic, you know, democratically run political quote unquote witch hunt. Yeah. However, I said, look, the Republicans calling this a farce or political was going to happen regardless of who was on that committee. Yes. And so when Nancy Pelosi, I imagine Nancy Pelosi sitting down at a table with the Dem caucus, <laughs> it shouldn't have even been a consideration right, how yeah. the Republicans would react to her uh, vetoing because <laughs> they're going to do this regardless. So so make the bold move. And I'm, I'm glad that she did. But yeah, it, yeah they're going to they're going to yell, which hunt partisan. Mm-hmm. They just want to make us look bad before the election. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, don't do sh- bad things before and well you you can say shit on my show <laughs> oh okay cool i've been trying to avoid not swearing no i fully cuss all the time so and i said freaking but i really meant fucking so there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome well you know i don't know i i know terry kane was it terry canefield i don't know one of these people that i spoke to who's a lawyer said that the likelihood of trump being uh like indicted for january 6th and citing that insurrection is is not you know we're probably not going to see that um but i don't know i mean it i think that i think it's it's all very scary and all like i said i'm I'm a little excited by listening to you and you have a, a better grasp on this definitely than i do especially since you get to talk to people like annie mccabe so jealous <laughs> but um babe we call him babe on our show. <laughs> um anyway so i don't know we'll see what happens with him but i do want to switch gears for a minute because usually i ask people um on my podcast what they think about 2022 2024 i go back and forth between being hopeful and being completely terrified now there was an article in the atlantic called biden's strategy treat trump like a crazy person and here i'm just going to read an excerpt here it says biden believes that this is precisely the kind of elitist trap democrats fall into time and again to their own detriment the more energy and time democrats devote to eliminating the filibuster the less energy they're putting into taking up expanded child tax credit or working toward the passage of historic infrastructure bill he believes that voters are going to care much more about the money in their pockets than the less tangible issues of government reform i've been hearing biden say this since january 2017 democrats inadvertently enabled trump's victory because they stopped improving people's lives what i and this is quote what i've learned in my entire career in politics you can do anything with somebody and get them to move as long as you don't change their standard of living downward so okay there's this this argument or whatever you would call it that biden is you know he he's basically just writing off trump is a crazy person doesn't want to get too much in the weeds he wants to get money in our pockets he wants to show us that democrats are the true leaders do you think that this is the best strategy for 2020 because uh, I'm sorry, 2022, especially because if we, if Democrats lose in, if they lose the house in 2022, that's not going to be good. So, um, (laughs) so what do you think? 
Um, I think it's a I think it's a good strategy for 2022. Uh, although I mean I have some issues with you know people focused on the filibuster. Um, if if people can't vote. Mm-hmm what the f is the point like right. you might you might make everybody super excited with the child tax credit money in their pockets infrastructure jobs but if they can't vote mm-hmm. yeah. what is the point exactly. of making them want to vote for you if they are unable to vote which is why i think they should at the very least do a carve out for the filibuster for voting rights or for you know the these more intangible democracy situations the constitutional considerations like they did the carve out for appointing judges and appointing cabinet members mm-hmm. on the filibuster um i personally i want the filibuster gone all the way but we only have 14 democrats in the senate who are willing to do that mm-hmm. most of them are for reform mm-hmm. and we as we know two of them don't want to touch it right yeah um but I do agree. And, and if, if that was his strategy, I don't understand why he's dawdling trying to please the Republicans on some side piece, if you want to call it, infrastructure bill mm-hmm. that, that, that they both can have a bipartisan thing on because he should just go forward yeah. with his, you know, with his Bernie Sanders started $6 trillion infrastructure plan through budget reconciliation. It'll, it'll get knocked down to about uh, $3.5 trillion to make Manchin happy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and we would just do that. Why are you mm-hmm. wasting time? Uh, why are you delaying putting all that money in people's pockets to mm-hmm. for some sort of fake bipartisanship that doesn't exist in this country? That's exactly. weird. But here's what I think he could and should do. And this is sort of a little prediction I've, I've had for a while now. If you've noticed, uh, Elizabeth Warren in the first American Rescue Plan that was passed this March, the mm-hmm. COVID relief plan, American Rescue Plan, uh, Warren got a provision in there that says if the president uh, forgives $50,000 of student debt for every American that has student debt, we're making it the law that you, they can't be taxed on that loan forgiveness. And wow. that caveat was put in there. And since then, Biden has been chipping away at loan at student loan forgiveness. He, he forgave the loans of ITT Technical Institute. He forgave some of the loans that Betsy DeVos wasn't doing. Uh, the the public service loan forgiveness program he's worked on. My student debt was forgiven a couple of weeks ago because I'm a disabled veteran and there used to be an income requirement for that. Uh, but he erased that and just gave every 100% disabled veteran a full pardon on their student loans, uh, tax-free. And so what I think he's going to do, because he can do it by executive order, is either right before 2022 or 2024, I think he's going to sign that executive order, give every single person that 50,000 um, forgiveness on their student loans. And because the tax provision is already there through 2025, mm-hmm. that's when that tax provision expires, that, they, that you don't have to pay tax on that. I don't think that would be in there hmm. if that if that kind of weren't his thinking, unless yeah. Warren was just hoping and right. then was gonna just try to push him on it until the end. I don't know where he stands on that, but that would be a huge yeah. uh, po- political uh, playing uh, card to, to to play right before an election. I, but I think he's waiting until it's uh, sort of politically yeah. advantageous for right. him. But with, if people can't vote, exactly. <laughs> what's the point? Exactly. Well, you know, Jody Hamilton was on my show a couple of weeks ago. She had a theory that maybe, uh, and it's obviously this is not Mansion and Cinema here uh, leading this, but the idea is if there was like the Voting Rights Act 
bill, if, if they're able to pass it, the Republicans might challenge it and it might go to the Supreme Court and get knocked down before the midterms. So perhaps if we just wait on this and try to get it passed next year, that there would be a better chance. I don't even know if that, I mean, that was an interesting theory. I don't know if that's plausible. Do, a, do you think that there's anything to it? And B, do you think that it's possible that we can even pass it in the first place? It's so fascinating. I asked this question on Twitter. I asked some of my my con law experts, Steve Vladek, Joyce Vance, hey, if you are going to reinstate Section 5 of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, let's say we can get past the filibuster and we get it passed, mm-hmm. what's to stop the Supreme Court from gutting it again now that they're more conservative? They, they made this decision in 2013, and that, that Section 5 rule says that you know states with a history of racism have to get approval from the Department of Justice to change their voting rules. And what Joyce and and Steve both came back with is like, it's not section five. They need to rewrite section four in such a way that it cannot be struck down by the Supreme Court or is less likely to be struck down by the Supreme Court. And the way Joyce Vance said we do that is that in 2013, what the Supreme Court found was that there wasn't enough evidence of racism in these states to continue to put the burden on them to have to go to the Department of Justice to get approval to change their rules. Mm -hmm. She goes, guess what we have now? tons of evidence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that exi- voter yeah. suppression exists based on race. It, mm-hmm. I mean, just look at the Hoffler redistricting papers, um, you know, when he said, you know, we have to do this to help white Republicans. Um, so she's like, we have tons of evidence now, put that in there and make your case, rewrite section four, yeah. and that will help reinstate section five. And it will be really hard to overturn by the Supreme Court, though they could, they could find a way. Right. So I don't know if it's the timing necessarily as mm-hmm. much as you know, my concern was how do we rewrite the Voting Rights Act so it can't get, right. you know, gutted yeah. again? Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about 2022? Do you feel confident or is it still too early for you to make some kind of prediction? Well, it's going to be interesting uh, de- depending on whether, you know, Donald gets indicted, how they react, how his base mm-hmm. reacts, because right now the the GOP is a circular firing squad. Mm-hmm. They're fighting a lot of infighting. There's two camps here, right? There's a Liz Cheney camp and the Donald mm-hmm. Trump camp. And th- at first it was, people were going around Liz Cheney. Then it was back to Trump. Then it was to Liz Cheney again. But if they don't pick a side mm-hmm. and coalesce around it before 2022, they're going to have a really hard time, which is why I think that they one of the reasons that they're really pushing these voter suppression laws in these Republican states. Wow. Um, Okay, well, let's go in then to COVID because we've got this Delta variant and clearly there are all, okay, there's so much to talk about this because right now we're seeing Sean Hannity and Mitch McConnell and other Republicans pushing for the vaccine after they've been basically screaming about their liberty and not wanting to wear masks and anti-vaccine and now they're pro-vaccine and you know some people have said maybe it's because of the 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 dow going down maybe it's because there's lawsuit chatter going on out there um other people seem to think that it is they finally understand that they're killing their own base (laughs) um i think it's too late at this point for them because they're you know like i i have a mega family member who is vaccinated but she said she's not getting a booster because her doctor told her the per- well she said the the person who was giving her shot the doctor i don't think it was a doctor she got a shot from but whatever um, no she, <laughs> she said that that he said there's no reason for a booster and that you know the vaccine companies just want money 
So, okay. And there, and now we're hearing all about the J&J not being as effective. In fact, and now, now this was a, a thing. It was a, not a test, but they were basically looking a study in New York City. It was not peer-reviewed. But they were looking at people who got the Delta variant who had all the vaccines. And basically, they came to the conclusion that AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson were only about 33% effective against it. So, their rec- you know, I think the recommendation now from some people, clearly not the CDC, is to get a booster of one of the mRNA vaccines like Moderna or Pfizer. So... I, I, I've read that with the COVID vaccine, at least for J&J, maybe you're protected for about eight months. So I let's say my family member was uh, vaccinated in March. So take, take it up to around December. And so she's probably not, you know, as safe as the rest, as the people who, who got the other vaccines. And she's convinced now that it doesn't matter and that she doesn't need it. So you're dealing she's with she's paying for it she's already paying for it our yeah. tax dollars are paying for it go get your free shit <laughs> yeah but she thinks like a mega <laughs> so oh, that right. doesn't work on her um it's, it's... <clears throat> oh do this then tell her hey if you don't take it we're shipping it to india oh that's a good one that's a good one and i'm gonna have to remember that she she gets very upset and she gets very angry as you can imagine i try not to talk about politics with her too much but it seems like no matter what you talk about anymore it's it's political oh. um but I yeah. think I think that, you know, we're seeing and, and so I wanted to point out that, you know, she's got this stubborn thing going on about the vaccine. I don't believe she's going to get vaccinated a second time. And so there's all these Republicans now uh, in red states that don't feel they need to get va- that they even they think there's like a fucking microchip in it. And so um, now we've got Sean Hannity and we've got Mitch McConnell coming out saying, take your vaccine. And I'm just wondering why. Like, is it because they're afraid they're going to lose money? Is it they're afraid that their base is going to die from the Delta variant? I, what do you think? Because I don't even fucking know. It's so amazing that you that you gave those reasons because on July 19th, two days ago, I tweeted after after there was some pivoting with like Geraldo and Hannity and. Uh, this was before McConnell, but I said, did Republicans either one just now realize their voters are going to die in massive numbers (laughs) Two, get warnings from lawyers about possible civil lawsuits (laughs) over spreading COVID Uh, three, get calls from rich donors when the stock market tanked, telling them to encourage vaccinations. And I didn't see your tweet. I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) And um, a lot of people think it's the stock market. Um, A lot of people thought like, you know, they're super rich donors. We're losing a shitload of money in the stock market because of the, 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 you know, this looming wave of the Delta variant. Uh, But then also there was uh, some reporting yesterday, I think from CNN that said the White House had actually been in contact with Fox News. Hmm. Um, So I don't know if Biden called him up and gave him a piece of his mind (laughs) and and threatened lawsuits and said, Come on, man. Yeah. You know, did his... <laughs> I, know, I was just thinking that. <laughs> Come on, this man. is malarkey. Just... <laughs> you know, so with the, I mean, but they have to understand that with this upcoming election, the fact that the GOP is split into two and there's all sorts of infighting and factions and sects of the, of the Republican Party and Trump could be indicted. Mm-hmm. And now the, <laughs> There's a sort, you know, quote unquote, pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. It affects all of us. It, it let's does. be fair. Um, but you know, they could lose large swaths. Of, like in Orange County, you know, we won some seats by 100, 200, 300 votes. Yeah. There's a lot of swing districts. 
that you need every single voter mm-hmm. um, to come out. And, and I know that the Republicans are unhappy with some of the provisions in their own bills because mm-hmm. I call it the Longshanks effect. You remember in Braveheart when he brought the archers forward and the guy was like, but won't we hit our own men? And he's like, yeah, but we'll hit theirs as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You know, mail-in, mail-in voting wow. in Florida is how Republicans vote. In yeah. Arizona, that's how Republicans vote. And, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're making it more difficult for Republicans Republicans to vote banking on it being more difficult for Democrats. Yes. Um, but if you kill off those remaining Republicans. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I don't want to laugh at people dying, but if they're so fucking stupid, they're not mm-hmm. going to get the vaccine. And it sucks because, you know, when the, of course, when the vaccines were finally available, you know, I was all about, I need my appointment. But I, it's scary to take something that's fairly new, that hasn't really had time to, like, for us to see what happens. I mean, we've seen now that it protects us from death. Um, and, mm. you know, and it's also, like, there's so many questions with COVID. One of the questions that I have that really can't be or hasn't been answered, and I haven't found an answer to, I think they might have said something once that a vaccinated person can't give another vaccinated person COVID. But I actually asked... Um, I keep wanting to say epidemiologist, uh, and that's not the right word, but um, is it epidemiologist? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, then it. it is. Okay, episiotomy. That's why I was always want to say episiotomy, because <laughs> I, yeah. I fuck up my words. But I, I asked an, a prominent epidemiologist, I'm like, can a vaccinated person give it to another vaccinated person? And he said, it's possible. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, is that people aren't really considering this, is, you know, COVID gives us, gives people long-term health issues and so it can, yeah yeah and so you could get it and have it and it'll go away and then three months down the road you start experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing whether it's dementia whether it's you know issues with your heart or depression or whatever um, yeah girl but without the vaccine you're gonna end up in the icu exactly but it's but it's like but still there's like this fear of are we gonna like what if I catch COVID you know I've been vaccinated with Moderna I feel pretty safe but I still might get the Delta variant and if I get the Delta variant while I obviously I'm not going to die and go to the hospital for the most part you know I'm pretty safe on that am I still going to have to deal with long-term implications down the road and we just don't know and you may yeah. yeah exactly and the reason I'm bringing this up is because there are a lot of people out there who are vaccinated and they think okay I've got my silver bullet and everything's going to be fine Mm, and, yeah, no. Yeah. No, and, mask up. Mask yeah, up. Yeah, and I and I I you know, and I hate to say this, but there's a lot of Democrat there's Democrats that I know who take on this um thought like this thought process of like, well, now that I've been vaccinated, everything's good and they don't understand the the need. Like for instance, if you're I think if you're in a room like family members that are all vaccinated, I'm not going to put a mask on if I'm at somebody's mm-hmm. house. But if I'm walking into a grocery store, any kind of public place, if I don't know if someone's not vaccinated, because I think the chances of, you know, people who are vaccinated giving it to people who are not back or who, to other vaccinated people is pretty low. Um, so that's a, a risk that I'm willing to take for family members and stuff. But I'm still being very cautious. And I'm just seeing out there a lot of people, like I said, some Democrats, too, that are just like, oh, throwing caution to the wind and thinking it's all over. And it isn't. And I'm just, you know, please, people. <laughs> yeah, but you're out in public at the store. You don't know how many of them yeah. are uh, non-masked, unvaccinated folks yeah. who are very likely to give it to you. Do you think we should have uh, vaccine mandates? vaccine mandates 
uh, you know, the card, like the card, like, well, first of all, vaccine mandates for if you want to work here, if you want to yeah. go to this restaurant. Yeah. Do you, are you, yeah, when we get, when we get full authorization that, that it should be mandated for, you know, schools, businesses can do that if they, you know, they have the, the right to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the military will be mandated to get it. Uh, and we do have decades and decades of MRNA yes. SARS vaccine data. That's so it's true. not, we do. I, yeah, we do. It's not so new, but, um, yeah, I, once we have full authorization, I think they need to, and I, you know, trust the FDA to go through that process properly. Um, but and I do think vast vaccine passports are awesome. Um, I, I've one time I've had to show my vaccine card and that was at a club in New York. Um, and so I would like for people to have to show it more yeah, often. Me too. For example, at the gym I go to, I mm-hmm. think vaccines should be required to go so to, the, to the gym. Um, but you know, I, it's it's all up to our local and state governments, and right. we just have to. I, so I'm I'm being cautious for myself because I don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. And I, exactly. while I know I'm protected by the vaccine and I won't die or go to the hospital, I don't know, like you said, what those long term possible long haulers yeah, so COVID effects be could be, etc. So yeah. I'd rather not get it. Well, and going back to the vaccine, yes, I do. In fact, I use that argument. There was a girl a young girl at my grocery store and I always talk to everybody. And so I was asking her about, you know, have you guys gotten vaccinated here? Just like, didn't ask her specifically about, but she said, I don't know if I'm going to get it. And I said, why? And she's like, well, it's new and this and that. And I said, well, I totally understand your concerns, but at the same time, they have been for years and years and years working on coronavirus vaccines. And I said, and then they shut everything down just to focus on this. Like they stopped they stopped everything else just to focus on this. So you had all the world scientists focusing on this one thing. And I said, you know, I said, and this wasn't too long ago. And I said something like, you know, if you just look at the data, you can see that the people who are dying from this now are the people who are not vaccinated. And the next time I saw her, she said she was getting it. So I was glad. <laughs> but yeah, I'm you know, all for it. I'm all for it. But I, even when it's like, I, I'm not like an anti-vaxxer at all by any means. I'm totally pro-vaccine. But I also like... I think there was some issue with I, it was so long ago I can't even remember if it was my cat or my mom's cat but it the the cat was vaccinated and something happened and I've always been freaked out like to take my cats in to get vaccinated because I'm afraid they're going to get like a big lump on them or something so it's it's not so much that I'm anti-vax it's just that I get nervous you know even when I get a flu shot I I you know and I get flu shots every year and I'm gonna have to I you know it's funny because I I have not gotten a a shingles vaccine. I am of the age now. I'm, I just turned 53. So, um, but my mother tells me that I never had chicken pox. So I'm not sure if I should, I should ask my doctor about that. But I, you know, it's like, I'm just like, I don't want to keep getting all the vaccines all the time. <laughs> but I will absolutely get a, a, a booster if and when the time comes, which I think, and, you know, I just want to say that I, lately Fauci's been awesome. He had said something about, okay, well, there's no need right now for a booster. I wish, though, right. that he would say, but that doesn't mean that in time there, you know, that'll change because I think he's facing backlash, just like he did with the mask thing, where all the Republicans <laughs> are going to point him and say, you said we're, we don't need a booster. And it's like, I think we're going to need a booster. <laughs> I think yeah, it's coming well, along. I mean, Republicans are going to. They're going to do whatever be- they're going to do. I know. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think he thought we as educated Americans yeah, could infer exactly. that when he said not right now, that that 
implies it could be right later, now, but yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, but people he, are not very. He makes smart. a mistake that he's talking to <laughs> a bunch of everyone's super intelligent and able yeah. to infer that. Um, but yeah, and I have a different frame of reference on this. I was in the military. My my first day in boot camp, I had to roll up my sleeves and walk down a gauntlet of 17 people with air guns and needles and take every single vaccine known to man. And then I got one hour of bed rest and then I had to get up and go run six miles. Wow. So, wow. And every single person in the military had to go through this. Yeah. Nobody ever died. Right. Um, and, and so I look, as vac I look at vaccines in a much different sort of, with a different frame of reference. Um, and uh, and so, you know, it's hard for me. You know, I I just wanted to let everybody know where there. That's where my biases are with vaccines. Yeah. It's like you can take it. You put and pardon me, but you'll put a dick in your mouth and exactly. you don't take it. <laughs> you don't know where that dick has been. <laughs> <laughs> to space, apparently. <laughs> oh my god. Well, so do you have like just to end this? Um, what are your feelings for the country overall? Are they hopeful? Are they, are you worried? Are you both? What's, what are you thinking? Um, very hopeful. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the disinformation mm -hmm. and the insurrection talk uh, and, uh, you know, very scared to learn how close we were mm -hmm. to potentially losing our democracy in January with the peaceful transition of power. And I, you know, I'm very hopeful. Uh, I live in California. I'm very, very concerned about the, escalating arguments that, you know, the Karens are coming out in droves. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. Uh, the, the open racism, the, mm -hmm. you know, everything that Trump sort of, the, the, the worst parts of people that he drug out uh, and stoked all this fear and hate. And he got a lot of the, this country addicted to hate again. And it's, yes, it's a did. drug. And that's what I'm worried about, uh, are the people. The, the, because Trump, as everyone says, uh, is a symptom. Yes. And it's that root disease that, that I'm worried about, but it, yeah. but you know, it's been there this whole time. Now mm -hmm. it's just exposed. Yeah. And, and when I, and I just realized when you meant the, the Karens, for some reason, when you say, I used to live in California and I, I, I don't know why, but I just envisioned you in like Huntington beach or something. And so I thought you were talking about the Karens in Huntington beach, <laughs> which I'm sure there's many, but, um, but yeah, the Karens are crazy and it is, it is, it's insane. I mean, I think that, you know, we saw a lot of that with Obama, that the racists were freaking out and losing their shit over, uh, an incredibly intelligent, you know, black male president. Oh my God. And then they just lost their shit and they became so openly racist and you know i mean it, I, I always like to point out that i don't know what year it was i believe george bush was the president and there there's this guy i don't know if you've ever heard of him but his name is louis theroux and he he used to basically just kind of go in with a group like he would he went in with uh, a whole bunch of evangelicals and he hung out with them and interviewed them and he's really funny because he he could kind of like insult them, but he was so proper and British, they didn't realize it. And he was definitely insulting them. And it was really kind of funny. But anyway, so he did this documentary or whatever it was, where he went in with the uh, basically the Ku, Ku Klux Klan. And there were kids and the, he was interviewing the kids. And it was just so shocking. You know, I mean, I remember, let's say this was 2006 or something like that, you know, maybe 2005. And I just was gasping like oh you know every little thing that I would see and it's not to say that I'm naive and I I 
didn't realize people were that racist, but it was just the idea that to be so openly racist, it was, it was kind of shocking to see that, but now it's like a daily occurrence. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like you said, I mean, Trump, the fact that we had a black president freaked out the racists, and then we had this totally racist, misogynist piece of shit guy come in and just like obliterate all of it. And now they are, you know, I mean, it scares me for anybody who has a um, bumper sticker or anything that, you know, says Biden or promotes liberal ideas, because I don't trust what they're going to do, especially since he's telling everybody he's going to get reinstated in August, and that's clearly not going to happen, and you're going to have all these angry people with guns ready to fight. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't believe we're going to see insurrection number two at the Capitol, but I think we will probably see spurts of violence throughout the country. And I just, you know, I mean, I hope everybody's careful. I've talked about the whole thing about the bumper stickers before, but I, I, I don't think they're really a good idea right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I remember when my band went to South by Southwest and I had an anti-Bush sticker on my car. This mm -hmm. was 2004. And my, we pulled over to a gas station and my friend's like, comes out with a stack of like 50 of those magnetic ribbons with like eagles and support the troops and God bless the USA and uh, don't touch my guns. Yeah. And I <laughs> put literally like 50 or 60 of these things on the back of my car. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my god well it's been awesome talking to you I, you have an interesting insight and i and i really appreciate what you say about vaccines because i again i am not anti-vax in any way it's just you know i get i get worried and paranoid a lot so i just i just have that going for me but um yeah you definitely have an interesting interesting perspective and I, I appreciate your voice. I appreciate your voice here, but especially on Twitter. It's fucking fantastic. So um, <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you'd like to add before we part ways? No, just follow me. Um, and you can get the, what at Muller she wrote at Daily Beans Pod. And then my personal Twitter is at Allison Gill. And I just put together a network of like-minded podcasts that include like Glenn Kirshner and Frank Figaluzzi's The Bureau and On Topic with Renato Mariotti. And I mean, Very just cool. this great group, uh, Greg Oliar's Prevail. Yes. And then of course, all our shows, Opening Arguments. And that's, you can find out all those shows at mswmedia.com. Awesome. Yeah, well, I did put the links to your... Um, Twitter page and Muller She Wrote and Daily Beans. So that's all in the Patreon description. And uh, if you want to get that, go to the Patreon page of this show. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. I'm on the Bob Seska Show, The After Party, every Friday. And my books are on Amazon. So thank you once again, Allison. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you. And I look forward to having you on our show. Yay, me too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>